Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics Podcast in the Times. I'm Matt Chorley. This is the second part of our special in the run-up to Pride in London, in which I sat down for a chat with Justin Greening, the Education Secretary and Minister for Equalities, about coming out, her view of the DUP, and why her personal slogan is keep on trucking. Don't forget, you can sign up to our morning email briefing at thetimes.co.uk forward slash redbox and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on your Android device. So Justin Greening, Education Secretary, Minister for Equalities. Uh, this time a year ago, British politics was in turmoil, uh, uh, as it seems to be uh, constantly these days. In the middle of it all, uh, you tweeted, I campaigned for strong green, but sometimes you're better off out, which I have to say was a particularly ingenious way, I thought, of, <laughs> of combining the national news with your personal news, and you going public with your relationship uh, with Tess. What was the reaction to that, and how does it feel now looking back over the last 12 months? It was a massive reaction at the time, much more, I think, than I ever expected. And I had thought about what was the right way to, to be clear about my own relationship. And I wanted to do it in a really positive way. And I guess I wanted to do it in my way as well, which was to do a modern tweet, slightly irreverent about myself. <laughs> And to land it in the middle of a weekend that for the whole LGBT community, yes, is still about campaigning for steps forward, but it's also a celebration. Yeah. And, and so that's when I thought would be good to do it. And I just remember just getting the tweet, you know, you, you push this little bit of your iPhone screen and wait to see what happens. And what, was, what happened was something that was incredible, which was... It was just retweeted and the messages started coming back from from the word go and all, all positive. Yeah. And I think it was quite humbling actually to to get so much feedback on it. And I had lots of parents get in touch with me um, just saying that they had children who were gay and, and, and that this had really helped them feel like it was fine. Yeah. And, and so what, actually? They were going to be able to get on with their life. And I think when I looked at it myself, I realised that there's, no, there's not going to be a big moment when, when you know, all the challenges that have been faced by LGBT people over the years suddenly get fixed. It's a series of steps. Yeah. And I decided and realised that I could be one of those little steps that helped move things forward. And, and even now, I was at, a, at the Stonewall Hustings, actually, in the 
during the election campaign, just nipped into the ladies afterwards. And there was a, a, a girl in there who said to me, you know, that tweet was, was amazing and actually gave me the confidence to talk to my parents about my sexuality. And, and I think it, it still brings home to you that I think for all of us, the, the fact that there's awareness now and, and people feel able to discuss um, sexuality and these issues, actually it's part of how we keep moving uh, LGBT rights on and changing attitudes and I think attitudes are moving in the right direction but actually you know I'm, I, I did want to play a role in helping make that happen and, and so for me it was a, a massively positive step to take. What, one of the things in the first episode of this um, podcast special that we discussed a lot was whether or not it is sort of still a big deal being a gay politician because the mm. parliament has just been elected is the most out Britain's ever had and the mm. most uh, yeah. diverse in the world and yet it's sort of I mean partly because there was quite a lot of other news about it at the time but it wasn't particularly remarked upon at the time it's sort of just an accepted thing do you think we are now at the point where both well both you and when David Mundell came out it's sort of greeted with a sort of very happy shrug of that's good news you know it's good that you chose to do that but it's not the sort of storm that actually not that long ago used to be quite you know quite con controversial I think attitudes, it does feel like attitudes yeah. are changing quite quickly now. I mean, even if you look, say, five years ago, yeah. I, I feel like um, there's much more normalisation of, of talking about LGBT yeah. issues um, than, than there's ever been. And when you look at the latest attitude survey, and it said 63% said that this is absolutely fine, they had yeah. no problem with this, you have a sense of, of the fact that we should never take our foot off the pedal because clearly there is still discrimination that goes on yeah. and it's significant and it's one of the reasons why we do so much work in schools. Yeah. But actually, the good news is that things are, are moving forward quite s swiftly now, but we need to keep our foot on the pedal because I, I think as much progress as we've made, you know, there will be st still people who want to try and turn the clock back and I don't think they should be allowed to do that. And I should say, <laughs> I do think it's great that we've got so many LGBT MPs. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think you're right that actually it tells you everything about how far things have come, that it's not particularly a big deal, but there's still a lot of work to be done and we haven't got any transgender MPs, although we had some candidates. And, and I think traditionally we, we seem to have most of a debate about more women in parliament, which I also passionately yeah. believe in and want to see happen. But I think what all of this shows is that diversity in Parliament's a good thing. Yeah. It will mean you get better decisions that work for more people in our country. And we should be pushing on all of those different areas as much as we can. I need to ask you about the, the outcome of the general election, uh, which obviously led to the Conservatives doing a deal with the DUP, which includes MPs who say they were pulsed by gay and lesbianism. That was Ian Paisley Jr. Another MP said the Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. How do you feel being in a government which is relying on that party? I think we've put together a deal with them which is actually far less formal in, in a sense than the full coalition yeah. that we had with the Lib Dems where again there were areas that we uh, didn't see eye to eye at all on. Um, I think what's interesting to me is the fact that the DU ha DUP have their views but you know what, in this parliament they're absolutely in the minority. 
and as we just talked about, you know, we've had never had more LGBT MPs, and I think that the other big change that's happened for the better is that our parliament, you know, th there's a cross-party consensus on moving forward on LGBT rights. We don't need the DUP to particularly uh, support that, although I hope at some point, you know, again, uh, we'll see their attitudes, you know, some of the attitudes you just talked about steadily change, as I want to see with lots of um, people who uh, don't buy into LGBT rights uh, in the UK change. But for the meantime, you know what, we can push on with all of the agenda we've got and we didn't need the DEP votes for that <laughs> in the past and, and we won't need them in the future. And I think, for example, you just look at the, uh, the really groundbreaking step forward on relationship and sex education um, being made compulsory in all secondary schools and relationships education being compulsory in primary schools. And that's something that's been stuck for years. And coming into this role, I, I just felt it was something we needed to unblock, but we did that on a cross-party basis. And, and actually it's quite important I think for these sorts of issues in particular that we do bring the whole of Parliament with us. But yeah, there'll always be some MPs, for whatever reason, who, who don't buy into it, but they're not going to hold us back. Do you worry that the association with, with the DUP will sort of retoxify the Tory party, which for a long time had a terrible mm. reputation on LGBT issues? I think, I think clearly, um, it was something that was a concern and, and for, for people like me who spoke to both the Prime Minister and also of course Gavin uh, Williamson who was yeah. the chief whip really trying to sew together what the art of the possible was. Um, I think we were very clear from the word go, um, both within our party and I think with the DUP, that there'd be no backsliding yeah. on LGBT rights. I'm really proud actually that it's been my party that's got two cabinet ministers who are LGBT. I think our Tory LGBT group's done a, a fantastic job, um, not just in our own party, but also uh, being part of the broader campaign that, that groups are leading like Stonewall. Yeah. So I think we played a really positive role. It was a Conservative-led government in 2013 that brought forward the same-sex uh, marriage bill, and indeed that was um, out of the Home Office that Theresa May, the current Prime Minister, was leading at the time. So I think we can be really proud of our recording government, I also think we need to continue making sure that we play our role as politicians and as a parliament in, in changing attitudes and, and continuing to push forward on LGBT rights. Ruth Davidson talked about how she'd got assurances from the Prime Minister mm. about what this would mean. It sounds like you saw the same Indeed, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt it was it was absolutely critical. Yeah. You know, we can't we can't have made the amount of progress we have and then see that suddenly taken back in in any way. And in fact, I think if anything, um, this deal has underlined the determination of my own party, but also across government, that whatever the politics of our government situation, you know, a parliament in a way, you know, we're a minority government, but. Labour would have equally had their own challenges uh, trying to sew together yeah. some kind of government that could work. Actually, in, in spite of all of that, there is some consensus now, and that is that we're going to keep pushing forward on, on LGBT issues. And, and, and for me, I think, I think Parliament has to be part of that leadership that, that moves things forward for our country. 
lots of people assume that Theresa May won't lead the Conservatives into the next election. Do you think, when do you think the time will come where we'll see a gay Prime Minister? Well, it was, it's interesting to me because I know uh, Leo Varadkar yeah, in uh, Ireland because we were both transport ministers at the same time okay. and so I, I became friends with him um, as part of going to those EU yeah. council meetings. So I, I think it's hugely positive that he's now in that role in Ireland. I, I think it's fantastic that we've got people like Ruth Davidson leading the Scottish party. Um, I hope there will be a time when a gay person is leading, you know, not just the Conservative Party, but you know, the Labour Party. I, I think, as I said, I think diversity is really important. And I think if we want to have a parliament that's full of the, the broad spectrum of people living in our country, and is a parliament that when people switch on their TV and see these people who are meant to be representing them, they need to look a bit like them as well, look, look a lot like them ideally. But that goes for <laughs> all the way through, not just backbenchers. People want to see that in their governments, in their shadow front benches, and yeah, in their leadership. So I hope it does happen. Would that person ever be you? <laughs> uh, well, I never came into politics for a career, I can tell you that. <laughs> I had a fantastic career in business. Um, I love my role as a local community MP. As I've said, I think I've got the best job that I'll ever have in my life. I'm a state school kid and I now get to improve our state schools for all the children who are there now. I get to do this brilliant role as Minister for Women in Equality, something that I, I did loads of actually in, uh, in international development when I was there. So no, I'm, I, <laughs> my, my motto is keep on trucking. And uh, and I, so I just want to keep. You've got a campaign slogan. You've got a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready to I go. Want, so I just want. I just said so that I. For me, uh, coming into politics was about. Well, it's lots of things, but but some of them were. I think the first thing was, thing was giving my community a voice. I think the second thing uh, was working on the issues that really drove me. Um, and yeah, they are things like equality. They are things like social mobility. And I think one of the things I've always found hard to accept as a person is when I've seen unfairness. And I want people to have an equal shot. And so whatever I am doing in politics, those will always be the things that make me get up in the morning. But the reason I love this job is I get to focus both on equalities and in particular gender equality, of course, as Minister of Women and Equalities, but also equality of opportunity because it's education and that's how you deliver equality of opportunity. That sounds like an excellent leadership pitch to me. Um, <laughs> let's um, just move on and just to talk about some of the um, other issues which is all in your intro on this. One of the concerns that has been raised is an increase in hate crime mm. and homophobic hate crime which some people have linked to sort of the broader political environment, Brexit, Donald yeah. Trump, the rise of populism, the idea that people can now feel, some people might feel they can say and do things that in the past... They've, they've they as it were, have. taken back control to say whatever they like. Do, do you think that's a real concern? I think there are a number of different things going on. I think it is really concerning that we continue to see hate crime in our country. And, as you say, that it, it picked up and it's not just been against um, LGBT, people, it's been against people in the Muslim community as yeah. well. So I, I do think that's a real concern. I think for LGBT in particular, I think there are lots of 
things changing that are giving us a clearer picture of what's going on. I think the fact that there is much greater awareness yeah. and people feel more comfortable about talking about their sexuality, I think it also means they feel much more comfortable about going to the police to say, this has happened and it's because of my sexuality and it's not acceptable and I want you to record that as a crime and then investigate it. We up the sentences actually that you can now receive for transgender hate crime, which is absolutely the right thing to do. And I think part of the, the long-term solution to this is about, in my area of schools, working in schools to make sure that attitudes um, are attitudes of equality and tolerance and inclusiveness. And, and, and then go back to the fact that we uh, brought through the, the laws to make um, relationship and sex education compulsory in secondary and relationships education in primary compulsory. Those are really important steps in making sure that a new generation of young people growing up actually um, don't feel like this is something that they should be hateful about being LGBT in the first place. But I do think it is good news that I think people in the LGBT community have never felt more able to hopefully come forward and report it when it does happen to them. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What do you think is behind it and this idea that it's sort of Brexit and people feeling like political correctness, you know, political correctness has ended now, you know, all that like, I used to taking back control. What, what's the cause of that? I don't know. I, I think it might be just that in, in some of those almost final pockets of communities who have an issue with LGBT uh, people, um, in a way that maybe they see that they're steadily losing this. Yeah fight on on attitudes and I'm really pleased about that it's <laughs> yeah. been a fight I've been part of and you know I aim to continue being part of and I, I think in the end I, I fundamentally I'm a positive person so we will absolutely bear down on hate crime we've got a strong legal framework in our country now we're going to work hard on making sure that we change attitudes uh, of young people and none of us should tolerate what's going on 
and I think that over time we'll continue to just keep on winning this battle. Um, but the hate crime stats show that it's a battle that does need to keep being fought. You've talked a lot about schools, because obviously your other job in the education sector is focusing on schools. One of the concerns that has been raised is that children who are being bullied, uh, you're suffering homophobic abuse, are perhaps less likely to mm. speak to their parents, speak to their teachers mm. about it, because that would involve for them coming out, and mm. so they end up sort of suffering the silence, which I suppose is quite difficult. It's a, if not understandable, you, you can see the problem, but it's quite a difficult one to, to crack that. And there's no, as it were, silver bullet on this. I think it involves, as I said, making sure that there's not just um, relationships in sex education, um, in secondary relationships in primary, but also making sure that teaching's high quality. Yeah. And there's a broader point on the teaching of values and intolerance and, and inclusiveness. I actually, I'm, I'm really proud of our country. So for all of the challenges that we're talking about, actually when I, I spent my last role in international development, I, I visited some countries where um, being gay is still a crime. And, and even if it wasn't, actually attitudes were very different to, to what we've got here in the UK. So I think we should reflect that we're in a much, much better place. And actually what's interesting is you see attitudes changing, but also some evidence that the level of uh, bullying in schools is reducing. But I still feel that this is an area that we need to do much, much more on. That's why we're putting investment into it and working actually with charities. Uh, that are doing a fantastic, a fantastic job in schools, but we need to because actually the rise of social media means for children who are getting bullied, it's harder for them to escape being bullied than ever before. So when it does happen, it is often a bigger, a bigger, more intractable problem for them. And we know that for those kids who do get bullied, those experiences stay with them for often the rest of their lives. It has a huge impact on their mental health it has a huge impact on their ability to just get on at school and study and learn and make the most of that education, of the education they're getting. And that's why it's so important that we keep our foot on the pedal on all of this. And presumably one of the ways that you can do that and make sure that teachers are doing the job properly is to make sure they're properly resourced and paid. I do need to ask you, where are you in your negotiations of <laughs> getting more money yeah. out of the Chancellor? And that's a really important question. Um, for me, as an education secretary, I'm of course always going to be making the case for uh, strong resourcing in our schools. We did in the um, election set out very clearly that there will be more money going into schools, which is good news. And in terms of the other thing that I think uh, was particularly raised, which was around the fact that, that what we want to do is make sure that that funding that's going into schools is, is more fairly spread. because. We still have a system where if you're a child, say, in Blackburn or Bolton, you'll get a very different amount invested on, in you than, say, if you're right here in London. Making sure that no schools lose out when we bring forward those changes is really important, I think, for being able to unlock taking a step forward, which is probably long overdue in the school system. All of our schools have the same accountability um, framework. We expect the same high standards in them. Standards are getting better. We saw the key stage two results. Um, for kids at the end of primary really coming on and there was a significant improvement in them uh, this year when you saw the initial results come out yesterday. But yeah, funding does matter and, and of course it's important that we make sure it's fair as well. And does that mean lifting the pay cap on teachers as well? Well, I, I will make sure that 
when we get the, the results of the, the teacher pay review board that it has been underway, that I really carefully look at the recommendations they're making. I think it's a system that does work effectively in the sense that it looks at these competing questions around the need for us to, to make sure we're a government that's helping us as a country live within our means and public sector pay restraint has been part of that. It's also worth pointing out that bringing it forwards also enabled us to make sure that the numbers of people in our public sectors has been able to, to be higher than it otherwise would yeah. if we'd had um, more pay going to fewer people. But it, they're also able to look in the round about what it means for recruitment and retention, and I think that's a strong process. So I, I'll look very carefully at what the pay review, do, review board in my area comes out with, um, and, and absolutely will make an announcement on that when we're in a position to do so. So just um, the f final question, what, what do you see as the, the main challenges now in your equalities brief and in this you know, Pride week when people are going to be joining parades in London and around the world this weekend, where are the sort of priorities now, I mean apart from presumably securing same-sex marriage in Northern Ireland? I think that continuing to look at how we can strengthen the legal framework is important we've got one of the best in the world, but you know what? We can still look at things like the Gender Recognition Act and, and ask ourselves how that can continue to be updated and work today. I think we need to change attitudes still, and that means not just me being a voice for LGBT rights, but actually practically working with fantastic groups and charities on the ground who are working in schools. It means helping schools and, and teachers to be able to do a better job and, and part of why we made the changes on relationships and sex education was because teachers are saying to me that they felt they needed better tools yeah. and, and they were concerned about the guidance being last set back in 2000 which is a long time ago I mean everything's yeah. changed since then yeah, yeah. so I think there are some practical issues on action there are some advocacy issues on changing attitudes I think if we can push on both those areas then we'll continue to see some big strides forward on LGBT rights and attitudes over the coming years. And when do you think we'll see same-sex marriages in Northern Ireland? <laughs> uh, well, I, we had some steps forward in relation to uh, women from Northern Ireland being able to get abortions in England, which I, I think was really important. And I hope that this debate about LGBT rights across the UK will continue to make progress, including in places like Northern Ireland. Um, and I'll certainly be a voice for progress um, over the coming months and years, I can assure you of that, whichever role I'm in. Justin Greening, thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 